<sighs> Deep breath. Welcome, 2023. Have you ever, like, been, like, actually squeaky clean? Like, there's a difference. I feel like sometimes you take a shower and you get set up, dry off, you know, put your hair in a towel, and you're like, wow, I feel clean. I showered because it was necessary. I'm experiencing a more euphoric version of that where I feel straight up squeaky clean right now. I don't know why. I just feel fresh. I'm moisturized. Obviously, my hair is wet. I'm not looking my best, but I feel like this deep breath is part of a squeaky clean baby's bum type of situation. And that's ironic because I'll admit to you and only you that I actually just put on the exact same sweatsuit that I wore yesterday. So that squeaky clean feeling is very fleeting. But I know nobody asked me. I don't know how we can do this, but I want to like ban the week between Christmas and New Year's. Okay, that's dramatic. I need to reconfigure for my own personal reasons how I spend future weeks between Christmas and New Year's. I feel like that week is such a waste of time on epic levels. I'm recording it with my words here so that I can listen back you know, in 11 months from now, 12 months from now, and remind myself of all the things I said. Because there's really nothing we can do about it. It's so boring. There's nothing that you can do. Even if you wanted to work, did work, could work, there's really nothing going on. Business is in a lull. You have no money to spend because you just spent it all on the holidays. But the only thing that you really can do is shop, return things, buy new things, read your emails, get FOMO about certain sales going on. You have way too much downtime to reflect. Like some days you're like, wow, this is great. I just need to recharge. I'm, you know, already the best. I'm perfect. What could I do to improve? And then another day you're like, wow, I am a huge piece of shit and nothing I do will matter in 2023. It's just the weirdest week. You just spend all of it waiting. I feel like I was just waiting for the week to be over. So next year, I'm going to take this into consideration, maybe travel, maybe do something more meaningful because that's the other thing you have this week and I'm talking to people that don't have kids because I think those people actually hate it even more because you have to go to Billy B's and shit like that. Uh, No disrespect to Billy B's. I'm sure it's a fine establishment, but not where most adults over the age of, you know, 18 plus want to be spending their free time. But you just end up like waiting it out. When you could actually be spending those days off, whether you're given them by your employer or you take them off to be with family, doing something. But it's not like it was back in the day where all my friends were home from college, everybody was visiting, we planned dinners and hung out and, you know, just did more social things. I literally just sit around for a week waiting for it to be over. I had some obligations, so I guess it was a little different if you're traveling, things like that. But I'm done with it. I'm ready to be fresh for the new year. We've done enough recapping. We've done enough recharging, if that's what you want to call it. It's almost like the, I need a vacation from my vacation vacation, even though it's not a vacation at all. I never really seem to crave alone time, but I just found myself running unnecessary errands just so I could be alone and not have to do things with other people because I just, I don't know. I just wanted to like kill time and have it be over. That was part of the many trips I took to Sweet Green when I was out of town in Boston area. I didn't invite anybody. 
I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my partner. I just went to Sweet Green and ate a salad Indian style in my new Skims robe, which is a coat, but it's really a robe. And I just got got to do that. And I would never do things like that. So safe to say, I'm very glad the week is over. I hope everybody had obviously a great holiday and things like that. But I'm not going to ask you. This is a one-sided conversation here. You don't need to be the person that's going back to work and asking somebody to relive the past excruciatingly long seven days. And that's not to start this year off on a bummer. No, it's just an honest thing. We need to just face the reality of what this week brings for us and how it can be, of course, difficult to transition back into real life after experiencing a ton of downtime, especially for those of us who do not enjoy downtime at all, like myself. But today's podcast is brought to you by The Bunker. If you have downtime, if you want to stay active, you want to keep your mind going, you want to plan social things throughout the winter season, there really is no better place to do it than The Bunker. The Bunker is an indoor golf simulator, but so much more than that. It's a bar and restaurant and space for entertaining, hanging, going a few buttons deep with your friends. They actually offer indoor golf lessons. So if it's one of your goals to pick up a new sport or a new activity, you could meet there on site with a golf pro and learn how to swing, how to get your groove on, on the golf course, and you don't have to do it outside. It really is kind of the best of both worlds. The real deal golfers sort of take over the place in the winter. It is their safe haven. At the Clifton Park location, it literally says when you walk in, the bunker stole my man, which, you know, It is 2023 now. We're in a new year of empowerment. Uh, Maybe it should be the bunker stole my significant other. I just don't think that looks as good on a neon sign. But whether you're really into golf or you want to pick up a new sport or you want to just hang out with your friends, the bunker has three local locations with a fourth coming. So they are in Gilderland. They are in North Greenbush. They are in Clifton Park. And they will be opening in Schenectady in the year ahead. So a lot of cool things to look out for. I would consider The Bunker one of those companies to watch. You want to see where they go and they grow. And they want to see you drink a bucket of Miller Lights or a non-alcoholic cocktail if you are participating in SSJ Secret Sober January. I'm not confirming or denying if I'm doing that, but you might be. So get to the bunker, check them out, get in the bunker.golf. The one last thing I will say about the year ahead, and I've already done, you know, my own reflecting. I've already watched countless Instagram reels. I think uh, the 2022 season has ended. Really inspired a lot of people to get out there and make that first reel. I am not discouraging that, by the way. Sure, that's another reason why I don't like the week between Christmas and New Year's because it's just very heavy on the recaps. I will say I enjoy it like 90%. I actually like seeing what people did, where they went, how grateful they are, what went well. I feel bad for people that maybe didn't have such a good year, but I actually endorse it more because I do think more people should take videos on their phones, you know. I've tried to take, you know, little five-second snippets of girls' weekends and stuff like that just to have the content, and I think we were focused on pictures for so long. You know, if you work in the business, you know that things are obviously very quickly moving in a video-based direction, but I like an amateur, you know, picking up the camera, putting a little reel together. It's kind of like the same mindset of, 
how, you know, you shouldn't judge people that want to go to the gym in January. There's a lot of eye rolling, a lot of road rage in the parking lot, a Planet Fitness type of thing. But those people had to start somewhere. You had to start somewhere. So you have to be kind and be gracious. And, you know, if you want to make a little reel about your family, go for it. I like it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to toss you the heart emoji and encourage you to be more creative but don't overdo it either okay leave it to the professionals don't start a podcast or anything this year I have enough competition out there but I also just want to document I think what I would say my one mantra or goal is going into this year and it's not as ambitious as you think okay I think there is a lot of pressure to voice all of your thoughts and let people know your intentions going into a new year. I don't think that's for everybody to know. I think, A, if you put it out there and you don't do it, you could actually disappoint yourself, not that anybody else on the outside will give a shit or even know. But I think, you know, reading all of these memes and tweets and stories can put a lot of pressure on yourself to make really big changes. And I did have to ask myself, you know, what am I going into, you know, the next 12 months kind of thinking about myself and my life? And there's so many things to celebrate. I don't really do that. I don't really focus on that. I think about all the areas that, you know, could be better, the things that I need to work on, of course, as many of us do. But my mantra is simple, and I think it will still get me where I need to go without overpromising. And that is keep doing what you're doing. I really believe that. There's so much urgency and kind of just a tense emotion around trying to be better every day. And when I look at the last year, I felt like I did gradually, you know, get better at certain things, accomplish things, you know, reach some of the goals, even though they were vague and broad, that I'm not trying to set these sky high limits for the next year, because I believe if I do keep doing what I'm doing at the rate that I'm doing, it is all going to work out. Even though life is short, I think it's also a long game when it comes to accomplishing things and becoming yourself. I've said many times, I always want to be 30. I always thought 30 would be a great year. I'll head into that in September. But if I just keep doing what I'm doing in terms of the consistency, the hard work, creating new opportunities, you know, meeting people, I think I'll, I'll get to where I want to go, but I don't need to be there by this time next year. There will be many more years of keep doing what you're doing that ultimately I believe will pay off. So it might seem a little underwhelming. Maybe I could be more ambitious. And I think those are sort of the secret goals that you keep to yourself because of course I am dreaming bigger and thinking bigger for myself just in the entertainment industry, professionally, financially, but I don't need to air that out to everybody because I think sometimes speaking it can make it uh, less achievable for some reason. I always have goals that are in the back of my mind that I don't need to talk about or brag about or whatever. I think slow growth is a good thing and I think that it makes for more long-lasting results in the long run. So just something else that I want to put out into the world there. Senior button, he's just texting me. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I put out a call to action on my Facebook page about a Times Union article that I'm writing about uh, organizing your garage better and trends and storage. And Senior Buttonista spent her holiday break doing a lot of like DIY hack 
watching. I guess there might be a whole Netflix show about it. And she was bombarding me with hacks. Like, really. I mean, she was so excited about them. Her 2023 goals are always uh, how to organize my garage. So, of course, she's thrilled that I'm writing a story about it. I don't think you can interview your mom in a professional article, but... She does have a few tips and tricks, and I know that once the weather warms up out there in that garage, I'm getting a garage overhaul, more so my partner, because we have the kind of garage you can't park your cars in, and that's no life to live. Maybe that's a secret goal of mine, is to park my car in my garage. Also, I hope you don't hear the sound of my washing machine going off. I knew it was going to happen. That means 14 minutes have passed since I actually really sat down here to record, but it's all good. So keep doing what you're doing. Second to that, in my personal world, I think everybody likes a little drama, a little tension, a little, uh, you know, stuff to talk about in your network and in your world. But I do find myself getting a little too caught up in that sometimes. And I realize that in order to keep doing what I'm doing, I also need to like mind my own business and just not really be concerned about things that are going on with other people. You know, if you're running your life a certain way and I don't agree with it, it's really not for me to worry about. I'm not confrontational. I don't need to step in. And selfishly, some things like that just don't affect me in my life. So I think kind of drowning out some of that noise and distraction and focusing on your own day-to-day is really probably just a mental health tip and better for you. And always, we all know this, just surrounding yourself with people that encourage and support you and are on the same page, which has kind of been something that's happened to me in my life probably over the past like two or three years, really kind of narrowing my circle and my focus and also creating new relationships and friendships that make me happy and um one one goal now that I'm just in a stream of consciousness is I, I need to do more of that. I need to reach out. I mean, I run into so many awesome people, old friends from high school cheerleading that I see out and about. And I always have a really great positive interaction. But do you think I ever take it one step further and, you know, ask that person to go get coffee or a drink? And I think that would make me really happy if I did that. You don't have to do that shit all the time. But, you know, if there's people in your life that you think you could benefit from having a friendly relationship with even if it's going out and about every few months meaning for coffee I think that's important um there's so many reminders that life really is short and that you know your experiences and your um personal connections with people really matter so I I do do think I could do a better job of you know maybe forging more of those just so I have more fun and have you know less work-related fun activities and more social fun spur of the moment you know, gal pal kind of stuff. But that's it. That's all I want to say. Just keep doing what you're doing. It really will, in my case, I believe, all work out. And you have to have, you know, kind of a a grounding in a sense of like, you don't have to overdo it just because it's freaking January, okay? It's like one of the worst months ever. So don't put too much pressure on yourself. All right, I need a deep breath after that. Um, Next up, This is tough. This is a tough topic for me because I, I'm going to have to break this up into like two segments because I thought I had what was like a really funny bit this week about football because I watched a ton of football, uh, just like in the background of my life, you know, the past week and particularly a lot of college football, which I really don't care for in any way, shape or form. And I really actually don't care for football in any way, shape or form, but I have a funny thing that I want to say. I think it's funny. 
So I have to say it because if something tragic happens to me, I want it to be on record that I had this funny thing that I wanted to say about football. And I had a plan. I literally wrote all these notes about it. I thought I was going to do my podcast with uh, a little co-host situation today, which I didn't. would have been fun for some banter. But all of that kind of got tossed out the window last night when I was just getting into bed. And many of you who are listening probably already know this, but uh, my partner came in and said, like, holy shit, something really bad just happened um, during the Buffalo Bills game. This guy got hit and, you know, basically just fell down on the ground. And he's like, I, I don't know what they're going to do. He's like, I think they're going to cancel this game. And uh, my partner is very into fantasy football. I think he had some money on the line this year. And I just don't enjoy football. Like, I just, I don't, especially at home. I'll go out to a bar and watch it and have a couple beers. And I like the atmosphere. But the stories over the past few years of the injuries and the traumatic effects on your brain in the years that follow you know your career it really is just too much and I kind of sound like a negative Nancy when I say that or you know just an uninformed girl who doesn't want to watch sports but enough is enough and I watched that aftermath last night I put it on in bed and I was glued to the TV, as many people across the entire country were watching Monday Night Football, that a 24-year-old kid, Tamar Hamlin, in the prime of his like physical life, 24 years old, NFL athlete, could get hit in a way that, uh, upon first glance, doesn't look overly significant. And again, I'm not an expert. I don't know. I think when you think of a significant hit, You see somebody and you're like, oh, my God, you know, they broke their leg. Oh, my God, they, you know, just fucked up their back or their shoulder or whatever. You can see when people, you know, grasp a certain part of their body and are clearly injured in a more traditional sense. That is not really what this looked like upon first viewing. He got right up and proceeded to fall backwards. And what we now know is his heart stopped beating. They gave him CPR. I mean, the players are crying. People are protecting him with a shield so the media and the people can't see what's going on he's getting CPR it's literally every single person in the world's worst nightmare and it's happening in front of a crowd of thousands of people and on TV live I mean it is horrific the whole thing I cry I literally cried I started crying I'm like this this is horrible and it made me feel really angry because I I don't I mean I think people will agree with me, honestly, especially after last night. It could have been one of the more groundbreaking moments. But, like, how the fuck do we still do this? Like, how is this sport still one of the most, like, well-watched, highest-regarded, you know, sports in the world when it's literally, like, borderline killing people? I just don't get it. And you ask yourself, like, is it even worth it? Like, is it worth it for the fans, for the athletes, for their families? Like, is it worth it? Okay, honestly, yes. The answer is probably maybe because they make millions of dollars. They're celebrities. They bring in the big bucks for the organization, for the teams, for the stadiums. I mean, a lot of it is money, of course. But you have to just think about this kid in the moment and that you hope he comes out of this on the other side because there's already rumors swirling. The poor news anchors on TV, I actually do have a lot of sympathy for them because they have to keep 
TV on. They can't just play commercials. They have to say something, but they don't want to make any presumptions. They don't want to talk about what this means for the league and this freaking schedule. So they say that a million times. They say they're praying for him a million times. And there's really nothing else you can say. It's just very awkward and just horrible to watch unfold in real life on TV. And I mean, a lot of us say, especially women, like, oh, if I have a son, they're never playing football. I mean, most of our kids, if they were to play football, wouldn't make it to the NFL anyway, statistically speaking. But I really do mean that. I really don't think it's worth it unless things change major. And I know, you know, that things have changed over the years. They have more protocols and penalties and things like that. But there's nobody in the world that could watch what happened last night and not be absolutely heartbroken and hopefully take it a step further that, you know, why do we like cheer this on and why do we encourage it? And just the after effects of the CTE. I, I've seen people that have CTE in their life just from playing other sports that have heavy contact and stuff like that and what it can do to your mental, you know, in the years following you kind of hanging up your cleats or your hockey stick or whatever. And it just makes me really sad. It really does. It was horrible to watch. Obviously everybody hopes that he's okay. Um, I believe that hopefully he will be just, I don't know, just have a, have a good vibe and a good thought, but just so sad. And I think if you don't care about sports, you know, I kind of can see why because like I don't I don't want to care about football if like this is what we're watching and I'm sure you could say the same thing about horse racing and the animals and you there's an argument on every side and either side and any way you want to take it but for the news like for me as like a news junkie I mean that's a moment that I don't think anybody will ever forget in sports history in reporting just having to try to fill the void of the the unknown and I'm also very glad by the way that they suspended the game I think um you have to know that you're just a, like a cold-blooded individual if you think that they should have played or that they should have, you know, done something differently because there's literally no PR move that gets you to get those kids on the field, um, those guys on the field right after that happens. So just horrible. And selfishly, as I mentioned, uh, it kind of ruined my jokes that I had about college football because – I can introduce them now as a light moment, a little lighthearted, and just show you uh, the kind of creativity my brain was working with, with all the downtime that I did have. But we watched a few bowl games in the background, and I couldn't help but notice, like, I'm really over, like, the, the lack of creativity with the naming of the bowl games. You know, this year it was, like, the Verbo, Fiesta Bowl. Obviously, there's the Rose Bowl. There's the Cheez-It Bowl, which I am sort of a Cheez-It enthusiast, so I respect that, and I'm glad that Cheez-It is doing well enough financially that they have the big bucks to sponsor the Cheez-It Bowl. But I couldn't help but think about some ways we could really raise the stakes and create a bowl game that people really care about because a lot of them lead to nowhere. It's the end of the road for a lot of these teams. You're not going to the NCAA championship after you win the Cheez-It Bowl. So let's have a little fun with it. So today I'm going to read you a few new ideas that I have that I think would really enhance the overall marketing and attendance and enthusiasm behind college football bowl games. Number one, some would say it's obvious, the Chipotle Burrito Bowl. Undoubtedly, one of the most popular items to order at a Chipotle Everybody's making burrito bowls now, whether you're Moe's, whether you're Simone's Kitchen, doing a little Meza bowl, Mediterranean style. 
everything comes in a bowl now. And I think, you know, Chipotle has not always had the best PR, right? Romaine lettuce took a big hit. Uh, the kids at Boston College got sick. Chipotle could use the positive PR. And I think the Chipotle burrito bowl has a great ring to it. Next up, I'm going to blow my load a little early. This is probably my favorite one. The American Standard Toilet Bowl. I mean, it's perfection. You have to think, these stadiums were designed after something, right? They do very much resemble a toilet bowl. American Standard's one of the best brands in the business. The American Standard Toilet Bowl works perfectly with New Year's, hungover, a little too much to drink. You need to dip your head in the American Standard Toilet Bowl and place a bet on your favorite college football team. Uh, Next up, I thought, uh, you know, Governor Kathy Hochul was just inaugurated now that she won the election fair and square. Uh, One thing that she's really known for over the past year or so is the legalization legalization of marijuana. So I thought it could be, if we played a bowl game in New York, hypothetically, it could be the Governor Kathy Hochul weed is legal in New York bowl. You smoke weed out of a bowl. Again, I'm just thinking who could who could get a lot of positive press from a well-named bowl game. So Kathy Hochul, I know you're a big Bills fan. I know you're praying for the team. If you want to bring college sports to uh, the new Buffalo Stadium, you want to help get those pack taxpayer dollars really moving and grooving, maybe let's hold the Weed is Legal in New York Bowl sponsored by our governor, Kathy Hochul. I also watched a lot of the Westminster Dog Show. I feel like they always play that on the holidays. Usually it's uh, Thanksgiving Day is the big one, but I came to learn that they're on all the time. They take place actually in Terrytown, New York. Shout out to Terrytown. If anybody is listening from Terrytown, no, you're not, but maybe you will now. The Westminster Kennel Club Dog Water Bowl. Every dog needs water. The Westminster Kennel Club has been around for ages. You can't race dogs. That's really not cool. So you can show them off, and every dog needs a good bowl of dog water. So Westminster Kennel Club, I don't know how much money you're making, but... I do think you could sponsor a bowl game and people would love it. Dog content has never really been more trendy than it is now. This one we don't have a sponsor for. Uh, Maybe it could be like the D.A.R.E. program or uh, like the Firefighters Union of America. This one just sounds good. The Stop, Drop, and Roll Bowl. I love it. I want to hear a commentator say the Stop, Drop, and Roll Bowl 17 times fast. Um, This one's a throwback if you grew up uh, going to middle school dances in like the early to mid-2000s. The Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup with a Soda on the Side Bowl. Absolutely love it. It's flawless. Chicken Noodle Soup. Chicken Noodle Soup. Chicken Noodle Soup with a Soda on the Side Bowl. Campbell's around forever. Another staple. Uh, More recognizable than Cheez-Its in my honest opinion. And it's soup season, baby. So why are we fiestaing when it's soup season? George Costanza could sponsor this bowl game when he shifts into soup mode. There's also a safer play there, uh, perhaps the Panera Broccoli Cheddar Soup Bowl, kind of like the Chipotle Burrito Bowl, a timeless classic. Kellogg's Special K Cereal Bowl. If you catch my drift here, I'm really going with things that have a bowl reference because I think it just is an incredible opportunity. Uh, but my last one, this is selfish, and this just uh, is to show off some of my skills. Uh, this one is the True TV and Practical Jokers. The following program contains scenes of graphic stupidity among four lifelong friends who compete to embarrass each other, Bull. Yeah, I just said the intro to them, Practical Jokers, without even looking at my phone. I have no notes. 
The following program contains scenes of graphic stupidity among four lifelong friends who compete to embarrass each other. The Impractical Jokers are filming a new season. They've been on world tours. They had a movie. Their TV is in an insane syndication. It's up for 18 hours a day. And if I'm home, I watch it for at least 15 hours a day. So there you go. Those are bowl game suggestions presented to you by me, the Botanista. Oh, and by the way, I know a lot of people probably wonder what is the Super Bowl name all about. You can't always say Super Bowl because it's trademarked. It's actually short for the Super Califragilistic Expialidocious Bowl. I bet you didn't know that. Where's my rainbow that needs to shoot behind my head and say, the more you know. The more you know, I'm a creative genius. If you need a new slogan, tagline, jingle, hit me up. I could make some extra money this year. Got to get that savings account up. Pay a little debt down. So this creativity is not free, baby. Only on this podcast every goddamn, thank God, it's Tuesday. I don't think you could say goddamn and thank God in one sentence, but I just did. Last but not least, I got to get the show on the road. I'm going to give you five random Thanks. Even though that whole segment was extremely random and I wanted it to be my nobody asked me but, but I had to set it up with the prayers before I went into humorous football content, which nobody is asking for this week. Five random things brought to you by the heavy hitters. Do it again. Call 1-800-LAW-1010. Speaking of jingles, we have a fun little idea with Two Buttons Deep to maybe revamp some jingles. Maybe we put out a now, that's what I call Capital Region Nostalgic Jingles. Speaking of George Costanza as well, he said something in an episode I was watching the other day. It sounds like I watched a lot of TV, which I guess I did over the break. He said, uh, I'm kind of like a commercial jingle. You know, the first couple of times you hear it, you're really aggravated and annoyed, but then it grows on you. And I'll tell you, I've never been aggravated or annoyed by the heavy hitters. They are the number one law firm that you need to call if you are in any sort of auto accident and you need representation. They're all throughout New York State. They are the heavy hitters, the car crash pros, and they are a friend of the Buttonista and Two Buttons Deep. And I love that. I just watched a Martin Harding and Mazzotti commercial while I was recording this show. Paul Harding, super easy on the eyes. Not sure if I should be saying that, but... You will always smile when you hear a heavy hitters jingle when you see them on TV. They are there for you. All you got to do is go to 1-800-LAW-1010.com. Follow them on social media. Watch our series, 10 Questions Deep, which is presented by them. And show love to the only law firm jingle you need to know. The heavy freaking hitters. Number one, I read an incredible statistic that I didn't allow to make me feel angry. I just moved on which means I only read the headline. I read it in the Times Union, the number one source for local news. But it's been about a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years, maybe three. I'm telling you, I only read the headline. Since New York State implemented the plastic bag ban, they gave us a little bit of grace during COVID because they did not want us using the reusable bags in the store because that was dirty we didn't want people touching them whatever oh and another PSA I'm uh, getting a little hot let's not we're not talking about COVID in 2023 it was three motherfucking years ago okay if you get it shh we don't have to talk about it anymore I just don't think we could say since the pandemic the we just don't it's just been too long we gotta get up to speed move on let a new virus consume your headspace. I know it's still bad. I know it's still out there, blah, blah, blah. But Anthony Fauci's retired. We've moved on. And so 
have plastic bags. If I find a plastic bag in another state or I'm just fortunate enough to get one who's like bootlegging the situation, I hold on to that thing with dear life, okay? I didn't always do that, but now I do because they're scarce. It was an article in the Times Union about how much money New York State has made off of charging five cents for a bag at a store. I wish I had graphics because I would love to play this like who wants to be a millionaire style. Let's do it anyway with the audience of no one besides my dog. All right. How much money do you think New York State made with uh, the introduction of charging five cents for a bag in the past? Let's give it 18 months, maybe 24 months. I don't know. Number one. One million dollars. Number two, three million five hundred thousand dollars. Number three, eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Number four, eight million dollars. Think about that for a second. I will give you a little break, Jeopardy style, for you to write down on your little notepad what answer you think it is. And I hope you remember them because I actually don't remember them already. Do, 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 I think I've messed up the end there a little bit. On a side note, I have been brainstorming future me how I could take this podcast to the next level. I think that display of singing in the Jeopardy theme song is a great opportunity for improvement maybe to add some sound effects in here I'm still recording on GarageBand and uh we're in like another millennial since GarageBand was uh invented but I hope you had enough time to think about that answer the correct answer is New York State has made eight million dollars in counting choice number four letter D since implementing the five cent cost for a bag Holy shit. I kind of have to give them props because I feel like it's such a cliche and an overused phrase and also an untrue one when you say something like, you know, if I had a dollar for every pine cone in my front yard, I'd be a millionaire. That's what my dad used to say. He'd give me like five cents for every pine cone I picked up in my backyard. They actually fucking did it. They actually said, if I had five cents for every bag that left a grocery store I would be a millionaire eight times over so you kind of got to applaud them for that I know that I've contributed to hundreds if not probably thousands I don't know it's kind of like thinking about like nickel and diamond gas like that's the consumer's mindset unless you're a real cheapo and you really love plastic bags and you're really on top of your shit and you always get them from your car and you don't leave them in the garage or throw them out like me five cents what's the big deal It's a negligible difference on your bill. But when you think about an entire state of New Yorkers spending five cents, being more like me than you are Aunt Kathy, who always brings her reusable bags, holy shit, that is so much money. Good for you, New York State. Well played. You're playing me, and you will continue to play me until April 15th when I file my taxes. Number two, as I mentioned, I have been watching a decent amount of TV The one show that I kind of binged over the last couple of weeks is Fleischman is in Trouble on Hulu. And if you want to start the year on a high note, don't watch this show. If you know anybody or are a product of divorce or you feel sad about divorce or you feel sad about being unhappy in a relationship, don't watch it. 
or do. This show came really hot out of the gate. It's got Jesse Eisenberg, Lizzie Kaplan, uh, what's her name? Claire Danes. Great cast. Uh, the guy from How I Met Your Mother. I don't know his name. He's kind of annoying in the show. Uh, Adam Brody. That's literally the whole cast. So now you know them all. It came out hot out of the gate with a lot of praise. People said it was a great show. So I just kind of dove in blindly. I like all of those actors more or less. And it's a really heavy watch. There's a little bit of humor in it. It is deep and intense and definitely contributed to some of the ups and downs of the reflecting that I did. But I like when a TV show can do that. So if you're ready for something a little heavy and you have Hulu, I just wanted to give a little recommendation. It's that time of year where you're cozy, you're, you know, making a cup of tea, staying in. That's a great show to watch. I didn't know, spoiler alert, it's a mini series. So I don't believe it will be coming back for another season. I think it was a one and done. Selfishly, I think you always want more from your favorite shows and casts and characters that you really vibe with. But sometimes I think it's just better to call it and enjoy it for what it is. Maybe you rewatch it down the line. But it was a great show, very deep, and makes you think. And I do appreciate when TV can do that because there is only so much Seinfeld and Impractical Jokers you can watch. Taylor, Miriam, Rayo. There is only so much Seinfeld and Impractical Jokers you can watch. Got it. Okay, done. Number three. Let's do some snaps, some claps. Let's bring out the trumpets and the parades. Al Roker is coming back to the Today Show on Friday. And that is a miracle, a blessing. I was worried about him. I talked about him on my last podcast before the new year in my last five random things that I was worried. He looked really frail. He looked sick. They weren't saying much. So they officially announced that he will be making a return for how long? I don't know, but I'm very glad that Al Roker's coming back. Savannah and Hoda are celebrating five years. We talked a lot about their drama in podcasts of the past. There's been some rumors that they're not the best of friends, but they had a nice cordial moment today. I think the lesson from that whole saga was that you, you're you not going to be best friends with all your coworkers. You know, it just so happens that they have to have those interactions on camera in front of hundreds of thousands of people. But Hoda and Savannah really are like my era of today's show people. I was there in my living room, you know, brushing my teeth when I found out about the Matt Lauer drama. Crushed me. Always had a huge crush on Matt Lauer. And... That was all during the Me Too shit. It was inevitable and it was horrible. And those two ladies, I remember them just looking at each other, joining hands and saying, we got this. We're going to do it. And it took a few months for them to officially bring in Hoda as the second anchor with Savannah. But I do really love and admire them both. And you have people in life that you look up to, whether it's you know someone that you work with, someone that you watch on TV. And those are two of the best in my book. So I do appreciate them. And I can't believe it's been five years. That's crazy. I actually also watched, wow, I feel like a real piece of shit. I watched a special on Barbara Walters on Sunday night. And I'm kind of ashamed to say that like I didn't really know a lot about Barbara Walters. I'm an NBC girl. She had a very short stint on the Today Show where she got her official start before she went over to ABC. But besides knowing that she was a household name, I didn't really know that much about her story. So I was thankful that I got to sit down for an hour and learn everything about her and realize that, you know, I'm I'm being like Barbara. 
And that could be another motto is just be like Barbara. Be fearless. Be funny. Be uh, human and never stop. And she was incredible. If you don't know a lot about her life, I mean, she really is just an example for all women out there, especially women in journalism. I was really impressed by, you know, how she paved her path. You know, she didn't retire till she was 84, you know, from The View, which is the show that she started in the late 90s. I mean, an incredible career, obviously an icon, beautiful till the day she probably died. She was 93 or 94. I thought it was interesting. Her last public appearance was in 2016. And that actually makes me feel happy because I'm sure it's so hard for celebrities to actually retire from public life when all is said and done. They want to keep working um, until, you know, they can't anymore. They want to still be in the spotlight. I'm sure still make some money, whatever. But it's also a hint to, to know when it's time to just enjoy your life. And she said very much the same thing, that it was time to, you know, get herself used to a different type of lifestyle. And I'm not saying, Al Roker, that that is a PSA or a message for you, but it makes you think. You have a health scare. Your life is uh, changed, as you know it, maybe in some way. And everybody at the Today Show loves and adores Al. I personally find him to be likable and real. And, you know, you never know what you're going to read in the tabloids or whatever, but you know, hopefully he's well enough to continue to work, but also smart enough to know that life isn't all about that either and that he's had an incredible career and everybody loves him. And, you know, what's the point of retiring when you're, you got like two years left, you know, you really never freaking know. So very happy to hear that Al will be returning in whatever capacity he does. He's a legend and Dylan Trier is there waiting in the wings and uh, she does it with a lot of grace as well. And I love Dylan and I also love cooking with Cal. Um, Next up, this is an alert. Alert. Oh, it's literally on my TV right now. It's a red alert. This is the first official moisturizer reminder of the year ahead. January to April. It is important to moisturize, to have extra moisturizer in your car in case of an emergency, to have bomb.com chapstick. Burt's Bees, on your person at all times, for personal safety, for your health and wellness, to not make things awkward between you and the person that is staring at your chapped lips, please moisturize the absolute fuck out of yourself this time of year. I want to see you doing eye creams, night creams, day creams, protective creams, SPF, serums, Moisturize the heck out of yourself, folks. Do not show up to a meeting, a date, a dinner reservation with chapped lips. The only people that can do that are like third graders, okay? I have vivid memories of kids in elementary school with chapped lips that could like, they look like freshly salted roads. I mean, it is not acceptable. There's no excuse, men especially, Get a lip balm that you feel good about having in your pocket, about whipping out. Don't put them in the washing machine. Handle them with care. And as I said, have a backup. Your mom and dad are going to tell you to put blankets in your car, extra water bottles, make sure your car is filled with gas. The botanista is going to tell you to make sure that you stay moisturized. Nobody wants to look at your dry skin. We don't want to see things flaking off. We don't want to see you lose color in your lips especially. This is a moisturizer reminder, courtesy of the Botanista. 
And last but not least, number five, another quick little public service announcement for those of us that might have a little extra money or some money or any money in their bank account. The Zara sale is officially on at Crossgates and online. I talk about this every single year when it happens. There's really no better time to shop Zara, in my opinion. As the weeks go on of the sale, it's a pretty long sale. If you've heard me say this before, you're welcome because it never gets old to hear, in my opinion. As the weeks go on, the sales drop. So if you have that time to do a lap around Crossgates or a lap just around Zara in Crossgates, I kind of keep my eye on things. I walk the perimeter. I see what they have an abundance of. I always look at the shoes and I don't leave without something that I can't leave without. I don't want to leave the best stuff there and hope it's there when I return. So sometimes I'll pay a higher price for maybe a coat or jacket, uh, something that they have that's leather, shoes that I'm like, I want this. There's only one size. I don't care about, you know, 10 or 20 bucks that it might decrease. But there's so much stuff that will stay there throughout the sale that in it's kind of you want to hit it like in the middle of the sweet spot of like the prices are good. You can stock up, you can get trendy items, you can get stuff for next year. It really is one of the best sales. I know it's fast fashion, I know it's trendier goods, but if you want to buy trendier goods that are still decent quality, you want to buy it for cheap because you might want that silver sparkly thing or, you know, that vest that you're like, I might only wear it sometimes. Why pay full price for that? The Zara sale really is honestly the best one of the year, one of the better sales that we get in the capital region in terms of like big box stores. So that is not even really an ad. That is just me telling you that's what I would be doing. And I also just want to give a quick little uh, thank you to Abercrombie and Fitch. I went to an incredible plaza when I was at my dad's this past weekend where I went to this sweet green, which I could have gotten canceled for that. I posted a picture of me eating sweet green. I did tag the location. So if you're smart enough, you would click it and see where I was. But upon first glance, a lot of people just thought naturally I was somewhere in the capital region at a sweet green. I promise you, I will tell you if there's a sweet green coming to the capital region. I hope that I would be among the first people to know that. But I had never been to one. I knew it was like a pop culture, uh, basic bitch phenomenon, more or less. And it was pretty fabulous. I got it two days in a row. Um... It's really fucking bad for you. There's like 23 grams of fat in every single salad. And if you do like a lifestyle macro diet, you can only have like 35 grams of fat a day. So I'm not going to overindulge on sweet green, but I was at this really high end plaza. It happens to be opened uh, and owned by the same people that own Stives and Plaza now, WS Development. This one's called Market Street Linfield in Massachusetts. I want to move in there. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. A lot of the same stores we know and love that you would see at a mall, but just the way that it's like laid out and represented, absolutely fabulous. But there's been a lot of trends, you know, I think just part of TikTok, social media, influencers, where Abercrombie has like had a a, a renaissance, you know. They caught a little heat in that documentary, but that was all everything we already knew about the models and the, you know, people and the way they treated their workers and profiled and stuff like that. People have clearly come to terms with all that drama because They're selling great jeans, man. I was able to, in person, find two pairs of pants, which I hate pants. I I hate pants so much. I hate, I'm only 4'11". Of course I hate pants. But found two pairs in an extra short length. I mean, that's like impossible. That's literally damn near impossible to find something like that in person. 
I don't like to order jeans online. I would prefer to get them out of store. So I was part of the Abercrombie Renaissance. I picked up a couple of things that I just felt like are basics. It's not super cheap, not super expensive. Nothing says Abercrombie on it anymore, so you don't really have to worry about that. But I think some of us might think we're too old for it. Um, But it's really just basic stuff. And since we don't have one in person, you don't have to worry about like a million people wearing the same thing that you. But like all their coats were 50% off. I did go online because they launched an athletic brand. Again, not prices that are dropping my panties over it or anything, but extra short jeans. I wanted to drop my extra short jeans right then and there and just leave with them on my body, on my head. I don't even know what I wanted to do with them. So that's just a little quick shopping uh, PSAs for you out there. But that's all the time I have for you today. Thank you for always listening and tuning in, being there for me. You know, ups and downs, changes. Hopefully it's going to be a great year for this podcast and for this brand. And I wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for you. So I will see you next Tuesday and 52 more Tuesdays to come or however many are left already in 2023. (laughs) 